Next on BYUSN, where will BYU football see an immediate impact with the addition of associate head coach Jay Hill? And double-double queen Lauren Gustin joins the program to talk about how to take down the undefeated Utes tomorrow. Welcome to BYU Sports Station, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We've got that Friday energy. This is how we do it. I am Spencer Linton. He is Jerem Jordan. We're that much closer to Christmas and that much closer to a BYU football bowl game as well. we got a lot of advent calendars being opened in my house right now, at least three, with random little toys that will be forgotten in January. But it's all good. On the show today, when will, where will we see an immediate difference on the BYU defense with Jay Hill running the show now? We'll discuss. Robert and I moves within the ACC. Jason Jabeck gets an upgrade at Syracuse. Lauren Gustin has mentioned on how the Cougars take down the Utes. And the legend Elaine Michaelis and her incredible legacy are featured in the newest Deep Blue. Here are today's headlines. Beginning with BYU men's basketball taking on number 21 Creighton tomorrow in Las Vegas. Creighton has lost three straight, all to good competition. BYU at five and five with, of course, the back-to-back -back home losses, not against great competition. Over the course of the final two, or the last two games, rather, BYU uh, not shooting the ball well from three, 11 for 59. BYU leads this all-time series, however, seven games to four. They played 11 times. Feels like a lot against Creighton. Women's Hoops hosts number 15 Utah tomorrow. The Utes have the number one scoring offense in the country, 97 a game. That's wild. Here has their hands full. The Utes have to deal with Lauren Gustin, 16 points, 13 boards game. Watch it tomorrow, 7 Eastern on BYU TV. We'll talk to Gustin later in the show. On the Cougars in the NFL, Jamal Williams and his NFL best 14 rushing touchdowns and his Detroit Lions take on the Minnesota Vikings. Brady Christensen and the Carolina Panthers take on the Seattle Seahawks. Fred Warner and the 49ers get the Buccaneers. Kyle Van Noy, Michael Davis and the Chargers take on the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. We yep. were there for a game and saying that. That was fun. It was fantastic. ESPN's Mel Kuyper has a new NFL draft big board. Jaron Hall, seventh among quarterbacks. Blake Freeland, fourth best offensive tackle. Mason Wake, ninth among fullbacks slash H-backs. And Clark Barrington just missed the top 10 at guard. Wow, Jaron Hall, seventh among quarterbacks. Hmm. BYU Indoor Track and Field hosting the BYU December invite right now. They have already taken wins in the women's pole vault, weight throw, and shot put on day one. Competition runs through Saturday. And former BYU players and assistant coaches, now offensive coordinators at two different ACC schools, Robert and I, moving from Syracuse to NC State. This is third different ACC school in three years, previously at Virginia. And Jason Beck being upgraded from QB coach to offensive coordinator for the first time in his career. He'll stay at Syracuse. Well-deserved for Jason Beck. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Today we discuss immediate impact. Jay Hill as the new associate head coach and defensive coordinator, hoping to have just that. He told us this yesterday about his defensive scheme. Well, I, I've never been a guy that sits back and wants to bleed a slow death. That is not me. Um, I refuse to do that. I will blitz. I will put every guy at the line of scrimmage rather than just sit there and let people pound us. So th that's not my philosophy. Now, you got to have the right guys to do that. But 
Uh, that's where the attacking comes in is we will try to get them in second, third and long situations, put them in uh, situations where they got to throw the ball on third and long. And then that's usually when people make a lot of mistakes. Uh, we try to confuse quarterbacks with our coverage, blitzes, the different things that they have to see. You know, some quarterbacks don't mind playing against drop eight and some quarterbacks hate being blitzed and others don't mind being blitzed, but they hate throwing into coverage. And you have to do a good job of going in and assessing who you're playing. And if you don't have the ability to be multiple and all those things that you just mentioned, then I think it gets hard to be elite. Some key words there, attack, multiple, confusing. Jay Hill, BYU fans hoping and expecting to make an immediate impact. Jaron, my question for you is- the E word too. Where will elite? Yes, you did. <laughs> Where will we see an immediate difference with Jay Hill taking over as the defensive coordinator for BYU football? Hopefully, immediately, we'll see it all over the place. Now, the first two games, we're not going to be able to really know. It's going to take uh, half of the year to really assess that because BYU is going to play some opponents uh, it, it should beat early on, right? In uh, what, Southern Utah and Sam Houston State? Then you go at Arkansas. Even after that, you don't know. It's going to take a minute. So I don't know that we'll know much immediately. But in year one, um, I'm hoping to see everything go up because BYU's defense has not been very good this year. Um, there's going to be more risk. What he's saying is we will take more calculated risks. And with that comes certain rewards, right, of increased havoc perhaps. But also big plays may be given up in that risk. So just prepare yourself for that because BYU has been very comfortable with a bend-don't-break sort of philosophy at times. Now with Kalani Stocky taking over, play calling the defense in the latter part of the season, we've seen more uh, dynamicism, more exotic stuff with BYU. Simplicity is good a lot of the time, but I think because BYU is being ineffective in that simplicity, people got weirded out by it, and then you want more blitzes. Blitzing every time doesn't work. Dropping eight every time doesn't work. In fact, Kelly Papinga had this to say that provided a little more context to what may happen next year. Yeah, I just I think that you have to have different tempos, and it doesn't matter. Um, and every game is different. I just heard Coach Hill just say the same thing. There's some games where you're going to want to drop eight. There's some games when you're going to want to pressure. I think the best thing is having a scheme where you have different tempos. You have to. You got to be able to drop eight. You got to be able to rush four. You got to be able to rush five. You got to be able to rush six. You got to be able to do it all. And so, just you know, from what I know of their scheme that they've done for a long time, I know they do that um, shooting the scheme. I just came from at Boise State, what I did for a long time with Bronco. That's what, where we were the most successful is when we were able to bring different tempos. And really, it's just you've got to be able to pressure and confuse the quarterback at all times. And that happens in all different tempos. So if you just sit there and rush four the whole entire game or bring five the whole entire game, like the quarterback is going to know. You drop eight all the time, right? So it's just you have to be able to change it up as the game flows and be able to keep that quarterback just guessing. And just, you know, that's, that's what I'm used to over the years. And I know that's what Coach Hill's used to. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to learn this new scheme that I've always wanted to know more about, just, you know, going against it, you know, from, you know, the time at Utah that those guys have had. So I'm anxious to get, be able to learn that. But uh, what I do know, there's going to be different tempos. And the quarterback is not going to be comfortable. And uh, that's what I'm excited about. It's going to be different, and uh, it's going to be more, as Jay Hill said, more of a Kyle Whittingham defense. So, uh, put, does anybody, put, does any BYU fan have any issue with that? Utah's defense is great. It's always really, really good. So I'm cool with that because listen, BYU's offense the last couple of years has been pretty stinking good. Um, so if you get a good defense in there, now you're talking about 
nine plus wins. Now you're talking about being in the upper half of the Big 12, which is the goal of the next couple of years. Okay, so different tempos, and Kelly Papinga's final sentence in that clip we just heard is probably my favorite. The quarterback's not going to be comfortable facing this BYU defense. It's a slow build. It's, it's hard to know. Like, we, we want immediate change right now. Like, yeah, we want BYU right to be an elite defense yeah. immediately. Is it going to do it? Game until uh, September. No, it's a slow build. And it's going to be probably a couple of years, if not three years, before Jay Hill and Kalani have exactly who they want in this new scheme and system that they are going to run. So I would encourage everyone to be a little bit patient, but that doesn't mean we won't see some differences. The attacking mindset is something that I think we will immediately notice, how aggressive BYU is rushing and blitzing the quarterback. And to your point, that's going to result in BYU giving up a few more big plays. BYU's been really good for the most part in the last three years at not giving up like huge plays. This year they had some setbacks, but the previous two to three years, BYU was really good at keeping everything in front, not giving up huge plays, not giving up those explosive 30-plus plays. And I think that we might have a few more of those, but we're going to see an uptick in quarterback sacks, quarterback hurries, certainly the number of blitzes that are run, the way that the blitzes are, are being packaged and presented. We will notice that immediately. How the competition handles those, that's different because BYU is going to be awesome against Sam Houston State and Southern Utah. Yeah. And then we'll see that first real challenge against Arkansas. So slow build, but we will notice some schematic changes immediately. Here's where I think Jay Hill is already making an impact. And he's been on the job, what, two days now? Two days. Two days? In the homes of recruits. BYU's trying to close out some big-time recruits right now. And on social media, it feels like because of the Fano situation, BYU has gone into this really bad place with football recruiting. Well, I can tell you last night, and I can't get into the specifics because we're not allowed to do that in terms of who the players are and uh, some of the specifics that were said, but I'll tell you this much. Yeah, just the name. He closed out a big-time four-star recruit last night. He sealed the deal already on day one on the job. We love ceilings around here. Okay, yeah, we do. We, we love promises. We love two-way promises. <laughs> he sealed the deal with a big-time four-star recruit in-state here already. And I heard from said player's father and said, I haven't seen somebody recruit my son this way ever through this Including whole Including the BYU coaches. Through this whole process. It, it is a unique thing. Well, there you go. And we immediately bought into how genuine and how like passionate – and almost in a way stern that Jay Hill was. And his message, his message yeah. was simple, you know? Like, it just, like, come to BYU, get better, and we're going to attack. And uh, it just, bang! So he's already making an impact in recruiting. And he told us yesterday, we've got to get the recruits in state. Yeah, and he's done a great job at Weber State with that. Like, um, okay, so I want to break down some numbers that I want to see better next year. And this year they were so bad. All of okay, the above? Let's talk, let's talk about it. Yeah, i got to grab <laughs> Everything? it. Everything? So, sacks. Uh, 130th, second worst in FBS. Success rate, that is, you, get, you, you don't allow 50% of what's left on, on you know, first down, second down, and so forth. Uh, you know, eighth worst in the country. Uh, sack percentage, uh, 12th worst in the country. Third, third downs, your bottom 13. Fumbles recovered, only four this year, like more of that. Yards per play allowed, 104th in the country. Yeah. Interceptions, only seven. All these numbers uh, can go way up. And we're hoping, you know, BYU is a top 65 defense is sort of 
the hope next year. Now, going into the Big 12, it might be like, well, maybe top 80 does it. Yeah, I'd <laughs> take top 75, top 80. Because next year, the goal isn't to win the Big 12 realistically. Teams should have that goal. But for me, it's make a bowl game. We just don't know how hard this is going to be. We know it's going to be difficult. We don't know when the bye week is. We don't know who we're not playing. But if we played the nine easiest teams in the Big 12, it's still going to be difficult. If you could somehow pull off five and four in league in year one, fantastic. Amazing. Now you're talking and, about seven wins. And keep building. Now, Utah went into the Pac-12. Granted, G5, BYU's had a better ramp up than, than TCU and, and Utah did in that stark contrast from G5 to P5, but if BYU can make a bowl game and they can be competitive and they can be interesting, like I'm not going for eight and four in the regular season. I, literally, like give me six and six and keep building. Utah went eight and five that first year, but then they go five and seven. And Two I believe five and seven again. Two years in a row. It, it was hard, right? It took them a decade to get to where they are now, which is back-to-back -back, uh, power five champs in that league, which is really impressive and hard to do. I'm hoping that BYU could have a similar track. Like, if you told me, okay, it's going to take a decade, but yeah. BYU then win two, wins two Big 12 titles, I would say I'd take it over play it out. Because it's hard to win a league like that. It really is. And the Big 12 is uber competitive. This year, we saw that there's no cream puffs. Like, Kansas used to be the laughing stock of the Big 12 in football. They started 4-0, struggled down the stretch, but they made a bowl game. They're in a bowl like, game. Like, that's not just a – win now. There's no game where BYU goes into the Big 12 next year where we go, that's a win for sure. Like, when have we done that in league play in the history of BYU football where there's not a game where you can say that? So it's going to be hard, but I'm excited about what Jay Hill is offering. I believe what he's saying because I, I believe that any coach, Spence, can get hired and say, in basketball, we're going to go up-tempo, and in football, we are going to attack. Those are easy words to say, but he has proven it yeah. at Weber State. He has proven it in his time as a position coach at Utah, and now he's got the biggest opportunity of his life at a Power 5 school next year. The way he talked about the BYU defensive line yesterday and his approach for the defensive line makes me feel like he's going to spend a lot of time really recruiting that position in the transfer portal this year because BYU has an immediate need on that position front. And to develop the guys within there. Yes. Perhaps there is some of that because it's easier to do that than it is bring somebody in. Go to you the, need both. Go to the transfer portal, yeah. find a couple of guys, develop your dudes here, and then hopefully there's a BYU uptick in havoc rate and in getting to the quarterback, not just with the linebackers, but with those guys up front. Yeah, I, like I, I saw his, his body language shifted when he started talking about, like, why would you not put four huge guys on the line, like, which says, okay, they're probably going to run a base 4-3, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's totally fine. Yeah. So we got great linebackers at BYU, but – like, why would you not put four of those guys, those, those beasts up Starts front? Starts there. And so I think he's going to spend a lot of time there as well. Our question of the day is this. Where do you think BYU football will see an immediate difference, on the defensive side specifically, with associate head coach and defensive coordinator Jay Hill? Jonathan Hokinson on Twitter answers, the better question is where won't we, as fans, see an immediate difference in the BYU defense under Jay Hill? We are already seeing an improvement in energy and recruiting on the defensive side. Next year, we will see more sacks, forced turnovers, and less yards and points given up. Uh, speaking of energy, uh, Brazil just scored, so let's go, oh. Brazil. <laughs> let's go, Brazil, baby! Woo! Yeah! Let's go! Neymar, tie play, most goals in Brazil history. Let's go, baby! Viva o Brasil! Uh, taking on 
probably the greatest recipient of the BYU Sports Nation karma ever in Croatia. Let's go, boys. <laughs> okay, coming up uh, tomorrow, 21st ranked Creighton, BYU basketball takes on the boys in Vegas. 9 Eastern on BYU Radio Cougar pregame live gets you ready. I'm so distracted by the brightness of that Brazil jersey. <laughs> the I video control is like, oh, I gotta bring this brightness I can't down. Can't see anything. Up next, BYU Sports Nation all access one on one with one of the best power forwards in all of women's college basketball, Lauren Gustin. What's the key to nine straight double doubles? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group. Serving Utah since 1968. Oh, yeah, we need that good vibe on hey, Friday. Jazzy, nice. Very fitting. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan, who's World Cup favorite Brazil just scored to go up one nil. Marcela soon, getting it done. Let's go. <laughs> BYU women's basketball power forward Lauren Gustin is the number one in the country in defensive rebounds at over ten a game. She's number two in double doubles on the season, and that's only because she's played fewer games than the number one player in that category. Now she and BYU face a huge task, hosting unbeaten and fifteenth ranked Utah tomorrow in the Marriott Center. Here's Lauren Gustin one on one on BYU Sports Nation. Lauren, first and foremost, I should congratulate you on nine straight double-doubles, although it got a little bit weird in the stat <laughs> broadcast in the Utah State game, and we thought it may have ended, but they made some corrections. Mm -hmm. So where, where are you mentally in that process of trying to keep that streak alive and then looking at stat sheets and whatnot? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's exciting. It's a great, I feel like, accomplishment so far. Um, I just got to make sure to, you know, put the – the team first and the team win comes first. Um, and if I get the double-double, that's great. Um, the win's the most important thing right now. I'm just trying to keep in mind. But it's it's been fun so far. I'm um, lucky to have teammates around me that, you know, have put me in those situations to get me those double-doubles and my coach coach to trust me to, you know, get those minutes and whatnot. So it's, it's really, I think, everyone contributing. Um, and everyone's helped me be in the position to be able to get those. So uh, an incredible feat. I mean, you're nine for nine this season. I'm going to rewind to the game with Carroll college because mm -hmm. your team had the win in hand. It, it had, you know, blown up to a 20 plus point lead, but there was this drama of is Lauren Gustin going to get enough <laughs> rebounds? Mm -hmm. Are people telling you what you need on the bench or are you entirely unaware? Um, If I'm like close, like my coach will be like, you know, like one, two more, like just kind of in the, in a mindset. So I can kind of know a little bit of what's going on. Um, and usually at halftime, um, I'll have a good, either just estimate in my head or, um, you can see, you know, see the stats on some scoreboards and whatnot. So I'll kind of have a good little gauge from there. Um, but a lot of the time I feel like I'm just, I'm just like, so dialed into the action game. I don't really realize exactly what's what I have or what I don't have, but I can kind of have a little, estimate but I mean they'll they'll keep me in check if I'm close you know I I love that that good coaches and good teammates do yeah. that right when you got streaks going and and uh, like you said the win is secured the wins first but yeah might as might as well push for that I should also notify you that if you didn't know you were the number one overall pick in our BYU Sports Nation fantasy basketball draft men's and women's teams wow <laughs> 
I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> That's a testament to your work on the floor for sure. Okay, with the double doubles in mind, and certainly BYU could use that help with a very good Utah team coming into the Marriott Center on Saturday. What do you know about Utah women's basketball right now? And, and what's the game plan at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they're a great team. Um, they're undefeated. They're the number one scoring team in the nation right now. Um, so we know that, you know, they're going to push and transition a lot. They're going to get a lot of shots up. Um, they also are a very like well-balanced team. Um, all the girls can score. Um, they all get pretty similar playing time as well. So they're just well-balanced all around, you know, there's not really a weak link or whatnot. Um, so we just got to come in prepared to be able to, you know, guard all five, um, take care of the box, especially, um, especially after Utah state game, you know, we had a lot of turnover so we got to really take care of the ball on that and not let Utah speed us up uh they play really fast pace you know um to be able to get all those points that they get in transition so we got to take control of the game and play um our style you know take advantage of every possession we have and really focus on getting back on transition and not letting them get um as many opportunities as they want at the basket so we got to come all of us have to come in locked in and and ready to go and um, play our best. Why do you feel like your young team won't be intimidated by what Utah is going to put on the floor? Um, I feel like our our coaches do a really good job at preparing us for every single team that we've played. Um, They do really well with scout and film and breaking down their style of play. So it kind of helps all of us uh, feel confident in um, our play and what we're bringing to the table when we do play them. I also think a lot of us um, are just hungry and want to just go out and play. Uh, we also have had a pretty tough preseason game uh, schedule so far. So I think that all those games have um, kind of just contributed to, you know, this Utah game. Now this is our second to last preseason game. So I think we've seen a lot of tough and um, good teams. So we're just, I think we're prepared you know, with all that experience. Lauren Gustin is with us on BYU Sports Nation, getting ready for the Utah game. How do you uh, compartmentalize this game compared to other games? Because it's a very unique rivalry, and, mm-hmm. and saying saying that it's not a rivalry is you know being naive. So, so how do you approach the rivalry, and what does it mean to you? Yeah, um, well, this is actually my first time playing Utah, so I'm super excited. Um, Two seasons ago, I think that it got canceled with COVID. And then last year, I actually had COVID when we um, did play Utah. So I'm super excited to be able to play them for my first, you know, my first time, uh, be able to be in this rivalry rivalry game and uh, be able to compete. So me personally, um, this is like the most excited I've been for the whole preseason schedule, um, just because it is such a big game, you know, the blue and white game, uh, blue and blue and red game. So I'm excited for that. I'm also just excited to be able to play um, another high ranked team. You know, they're really good, obviously undefeated. So I think that just kind of gets everyone else a little more hyped up. Um, And then also we want to defend our home court, especially against um, another in-state team. So how do you feel like you match up at your position with Utah? Yeah, um, they have a really good four and five, um, you know, really athletic. Uh, They like to rebound. So, um, I think it's going to be a good matchup. It's definitely going to be battled down there. Um, they have a really physical uh, big post, so that's going to be um, it's going to be fun to kind of see how that plays out and and whatnot. So, I mean, I'm excited for the matchup. Um, 
I think I'm going to have to, you know, be smart offensively and defensively, not get in foul trouble, um, really take advantage of running the court and uh, being strong and whatnot, and hopefully get to the foul line a lot. So, um, yeah, I think it should be a good matchup. I'm, I'm excited to see how it plays out. Yeah. What do you think of the underdog role being the underdog on your home floor? Yeah. Um, I think that's, it's definitely a, a different feeling opposed to past seasons, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's a little bit fun. It's kind of like we have not a whole lot to lose, you know? So um, I think that all kind of makes us play better just because we don't have a whole lot of pressure, you know? Um, so although it's not, you know, necessarily the best feeling to be the underdog on your own court. I think it's, um, it's, it's motivating to play harder and doesn't put as much, like I said, not as much pressure. It's just kind of like, let's go out all out hundred percent, you know, fight the whole game. Cause you know, we really have nothing to lose. So. You have won two games in a row. You got your first win streak. You beat mm -hmm. Boise state on the road. You won at Utah state and Logan. What's been the key to now getting on this uh, mini win streak and building some momentum? Yeah, um, just staying together as a team, um, coming into every single practice, 100% locked in. Um, our coaches really emphasize just being locked in every single practice, which I think has been super helpful. You know, we're not overlooking any team. We're not underlooking any team. You know, we're just coming in every single day in practice, just ready to get after it. And um, I think a lot of the girls have been putting a lot of work outside of practice. You know, a lot of girls are in before and a lot of girls are in afterwards and so I think everyone's work is, you know, coming out. And um, I think we're also all learning our roles a little better and chemistry is forming better as well. So I think that's implementing into our play, which has, you know, helped us get this two-win streak and hopefully um, to be able to continue it on Saturday. Sure. And you may have partially just answered this next question, but you're nine games in. Where has this team improved the most from game one to now uh, almost game 10? Yeah. Um, I think really just playing together. Um, the first couple of games, I think everyone was trying to figure out, you know, what their boundaries were, you know, what their leashes were, uh, their roles and whatnot. And so I think by game nine, we've kind of figured out, um, you know, where we're going to be on the court, what coach expects of us, what we can do. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And then also just having a little bit more fun out there. I feel like um, the first couple of games, we were just so, you know, tense and anxious and, since we do have a lot of younger girls, um, I think that, that, you know, girls were stressed out about, you know, playing and whatnot and playing time. But I think now we've all kind of just relaxed a little bit, kind of know what we're getting ourselves into. And I think that's helped us be able to play more loose and have more fun out there. And what have you learned about your first year head coach, Amber, in nine games? Mm -hmm. um, I love her. She's, she's very, very tough. And I love that about her. Um, I think that she brings a confidence. Um, that all of us look up to for sure. She kind of gives us all confidence in ourselves as well. And um, I think she's just a great role model as a coach to, you know, look after. Um, she's a hundred percent everything she does, you know, as a mom, as a coach. So I think it's, it's good for all of us to look up to that and kind of see that she's not afraid um, of a battle and a fight. And um, I think seeing her take on every game and every win and every loss, um, you know, just ready to go. I think it helps us just follow after her, you know, so we have a great, a great head coach to look up to and to kind of take us all through the ropes with it. 
Lauren, you're great to spend some time with us as you get ready for Utah. Congratulations again on all of your success to this point in the season. Let's give you some BYU Sports Station karma to keep that double-double streak going yes. against Utah <laughs> and take on the Utes. We're looking forward to the game. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. She is Lauren Gustin. She is awesome. And she and the Cougars face the number one scoring offense, number one field goal percentage team, and number one team in assists in the country tomorrow in 15th ranked Utah. Huge challenge for BYU against the Utes. And speaking, Beat the Utes. Yeah, hey, absolutely. Speaking of tomorrow, heading into the weekend, we need to review Jerem and I and where we sit in week one of our BYU fantasy basketball matchup. Jerem has a 10-point lead. Yes, I do. With one player to go. 80. Croatia just scored. Croatia just scored. Croatia just equalized. We're going to PKs in a couple minutes. That wow. Karma. Croatia still got the karma wow. from the last World Cup, dude. Okay, I'm telling I'm, you. I'm up 10. Lauren Gustin, 22. Kaylee Smiler, 15. Foose had 27. Rudy, 20. Not points, parbs. Points, assists, rebounds, blocks, steals. I have Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton. We're going to pick one opponent to play uh, to capture the points of one game against BYU in that week, men or women. Ryan Kalkbrenner hopefully goes off and BYU wins. It's a weird dynamic that we have to pick an opponent because you it want BYU weird. to win, but that's it makes it interesting. It's that's, fantasy Exactly. Basketball. That's a big yeah. element of the fantasy sports competition is – Sometimes you got to go with the best player of a team you don't want to win, right? Yeah, and there's only one team that I wouldn't pick a player from. Go ahead and tell everyone who you pick. I've got Alyssa <laughs> Peely, star for the University of Utah women's basketball team. She Good. averages 20 points and 7 rebounds a game. So 27 just in points and rebounds. You're throwing all of the parbs, she's over 30. So weirdly, I need her to have a huge game tomorrow and Ryan Kalkbrenner to not play as well. But of course, I want BYU to beat Utah. So if it cost me, if it cost me the fantasy matchup and uh, BYU beats Utah, yeah, that's what I did for most of the football season. Yeah, worst case scenario is I lose the fantasy matchup, and BYU men's and women's basketball both lose. Both tomorrow. lose. Yeah, I gotta have something. Let's go, everybody, rise up. Let's I go. had Spencer Johnson in my lineup, but again, he didn't play, so that put me in a significant handicap going into the week one scenario. Yes, it did, and it will continue to do so unless you drop them next week. Okay, join us tomorrow as BYU women's basketball, as mentioned, host 15th-ranked Utah, undefeated, number one scoring offense. Big game. Opportunity for Amanda Barcelo and the Cougs to take down the Utes. Tomorrow, 7 Eastern, BYU team. Which BYU basketball team has a better chance of upsetting a top 25 opponent tomorrow? Mm. You got the men or the women? Yeah. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. He is Jeremiah Spencer. Happy Friday. Time to whip it. Cougar Whip Round, presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Bill Kuyper is Jaron Hall. is the seventh best quarterback in the 2023 NFL draft on this latest big board. Blake Freeland, fourth best tackle. What's more likely, Jaron returns to BYU or Blake Freeland is a first-round pick? Blake Freeland is a first-round pick. I wish that I felt more confident about Jaron Hall coming back to BYU, but if he's number seven among all QBs, according to Mel Kuyper, and we still tab Mel Kuyper as the draft guru, right? Is there anybody that has more credibility than Mel Kuyper? Has somebody no, surpassed him? he has him? the biggest platform with ESPN. Yeah. No, he's so, it, good. Yeah, so that means he's probably Third, third fourth, fourth fifth round. round kind yeah, of third to fourth round. It's he's seventh yeah. on the quarterbacks. I would say third to fourth round. Blake might be a second round. Like if Blake truly is the fourth tackle taken, that's end of the first, end of the second round. 
Now, if Jaron fell out of the top 10 on Kuyper's big board of quarterbacks, then I'm like, okay, maybe he does come back to BYU. When it depends what he wants. He's making some good NIL money currently. What's worth it? He's been here a while. Does he have a degree in hand? Does that matter? It's all about fit, too. Like, if, like, a team, if a team loves him, like, and I happen to know the Indianapolis Colts are in love with Jaron Hall. They think he is the next Russell Wilson, younger version Russell Wilson. They, they think he's that guy. But they have Matt Ryan. Why would they want enough? You think of a better scenario? Learn from Matt Ryan for a year or two, and then you're the guy. Oh, that, learn, that'd be awesome. Learn from, from Sam Ellinger. <laughs> UCF, another of BYU's Big 12 future foes, tweeted a picture of its football filled with the new Big 12 logos on it. Mm. It looks beautiful. How long before BYU throws on the Big 12 logo? Wait, they aren't on now? I don't think they're on now because it's snowing in Provo. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, hopefully in the spring, man. Maybe maybe spring spring ball, throw them on there? Or do they debut them on July 1st when it's fully official? For, for uh, yeah, hey, alumni game in the spring? Maybe it's there. We haven't shied away from throwing the logo on stuff already. That's true. Yeah. That's already on jackets. By the way, the Colts are going to have a new head coach next year, so hopefully that guy and that group love Jaron. Yeah. This current group does. Yeah, yeah. Okay, would you rather BYU men's basketball beat number 21 Creighton and Utah in basketball the next two Saturdays, or football beats SMU if you had to pick one of them? I, I hate these type of questions. <laughs> I hate these. Because you want all of it. Yeah. I want it all! But the desperation that BYU men's basketball is feeling right now trumps what BYU football would gain in a New Mexico Bowl win. BYU's got a winning season. Like, we're excited about Jay Hill. It's more about Jay Hill in the future than it is about the bowl game. It's more about the Big 12. Um, no matter what happens in the bowl game, we'll just go reset. It's like, basketball. We're, we're good. That's men's an NES reference for the kids at home. Who are men's basketball desperation tops the list. Absolutely. Which team has a better chance of upsetting a top 25 opponent tomorrow? The BYU men against Creighton in Vegas? Or the women against undefeated and number 15 Utah in Provo? I have no idea. <laughs> on this one, it's really hard. Both teams certainly are going to be challenged by these ranked squads. I don't have a clear answer. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's a neutral side game for the men. Like, if it were a road game, like, easily I'm going, oh, Vegas the, is our second home. The, the women. Utah's women's basketball team is so good. I don't care where the game is being played. Like they would have been favored against last year's team. Yes. From BYU. Yes. I, I I tend to lean towards des like desperate wounded animal BYU men's basketball. Like they might just like play just crazy, like energy and come out and do something nuts. Like this. This is what Mark like Pope. Some threes. This is what Mark Pope does. Like he just when you think he's down, like he'll go and like win like this crazy game, and you're like, whoa. Oh, okay. That's, I, that's what he does. I would love to see that. That's what he does. That's, that'd be awesome. Robert and I would announced yesterday as NC State's new offensive coordinator. Will he get a head coaching job one day? I don't think so. I think Robert and I found his groove as just an offensive mm. coordinator. At this point, I mean, he's late, he's late in his career. So I, I think he's settled in nicely as an offensive coordinator. He's made millions. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's doing just fine. Good luck at NC State. 16 years as an OC. It took Jeff Grimes a long time as a position coach to then become a, you know, I, I don't know, there's certain personality types. He certainly wanted the BYU job uh, after Bronco, didn't get it. But uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know. But Power 5 OC is a good gig. He's been an OC for 17, 18 16 years? years? 16 years. Wow. All right, with an eye leaving Syracuse for NC State, Syracuse has promoted our friend Jason Beck. Job back, please. please.
as the new offensive coordinator. Will Beck eventually find his way back to BYU in some capacity? He's certainly a candidate in the future whenever that position opens up because coordinators come and go. And at one point in the future, Aaron Roderick won't be the OC and Job Beck's name will be in the top three. It's uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty short list. If Aaron Roderick leaves, it's like Bessie Satake and Jason Beck. You know? And Andy Reid <laughs> with the United States eliminated from the World Cup. Who, who are you supporting now? The answer for me is pretty obvious. Oh, the motherland, that? England. Like, motherland. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all in on England. They, they've, they've been jonesing for a World Cup title since 1966. It's coming home, they've been saying for a long time. A long time. How about this? A Division Three college basketball this team. Awesome. Grinnell. Isn't that where the dude that scored 100 plus points played his college basketball? I don't remember. Same college Jack something was his name when he made like. I think it's his name's Jack It Up. <laughs> okay. They shot 111 three pointers in a game and made 40 without attempting a single two point <laughs> shot. They won 124 67. Unbelievable. Should BYU Hoops adopt this offensive strategy? <laughs> Not quite yet. But BYU puts up like 63 shots a game, 67 is yeah. the season high. 111 shots in a game, 43s? Like you're shooting like seven <laughs> seconds into the shot clock every time you get the ball. Boosting to Tiki, you're like, yes, let's shoot threes. This sounds great. 111 threes at 18% is what BYU's clip over the last two. So that, that'd be like BYU making 22 threes. <laughs> Out of but 111. It, but it wouldn't be enough. That's 66 points. That's not what, enough to 20, win. 23s? Yeah. It's not enough. not enough. No, they should not do that. All right. Up next. PKs. Hey, yeah, PKs for Jim. You're going to want to, this is going to be an amazing deep blue feature on oh, an I absolute know. BYU legend and pioneer in women's athletics to BYU. Elaine Michaelis. Do not go anywhere. This BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B as we move our attention to Deep Blue. Much of what the highly successful women's sports programs at BYU have become can be directly traced back to the sacrifices and startup from a legend in Elaine Michaelis. This is Deep Blue. Some people think that my claim to fame is my no-hitter, and one hitter in the same day. It was just a blessing, that's all. We just had a great team behind us and we could hit the ball as well. Sports was in our family, uh, much to my mother's dismay. She thought I ought to just be sewing and doing the usual lady things. I did some of those, but also I worked in my dad's feed store Guys in the feed store every morning would check the scores. And I had my favorite, which were the Red Sox, as well as we had a good church program for softball. So I grew up doing sports. Well, I went to BYU at about the same time that Elaine went to school. We traveled through those classes together. And of course, Lou was working at that time and teaching, so I knew her as an instructor. They didn't really ask me to be in charge of women's athletic. I was basically asked to just keep track of what was going on. Well, sports days for the women were just, let's get together and play another school. Sometimes we'd go to Colorado, then you'd compete for one day, intermingle, play, and then you that was your season, and then you were finished. 
And that's kind of what we did. We had maybe a few days of practice. The coaches were our faculty members who used their cars to get us to where we're going. And we compete all day long and then call it a day and go home. It was a fun competition, but it wasn't elite competition. We were competing with the best we had. They must have been incredibly patient as they tried to bring people along with the concept that women really deserve the right to participate at the highest levels. Having to work around the men's program and their extensive opportunities, the focus was on them mostly. Well, we of course were delighted to have a passage of the t title line that would give us an opportunity to compete nationally and would also expand women's sports. Title IX required certain requirements to be considered competition that is worthy of what a school should have. And so almost all the schools had to make some adjustments to make sure the women got the same opportunities as the men. They asked the question, why didn't the women practice and play in the Marriott Center since it was available? And they were told that the women didn't want to, which was completely untrue. No one contacted the women it was the male athletic director that answered the questions concerning the women. Of course, at that time, we were not very much in compliance. It took us a while to work through it. Her patience, her persistence was really critical in bringing BYU to where it is today. Whether she was either the coach of it or then later on as the athletic director, she was responsible for bringing in so many more opportunities for women's sports. She propelled women's sports forward by just being our advocate. So if the football team was getting something, then, well, the girls should deserve to get kind of the same type of treatment. She just kind of demanded that we were treated fairly. She was there just supporting us in everything that we did, wanting us to be successful, wanting all sports to be successful, especially for the women. And she just really did, I think, all that she could to make sure that we got the recognition that we deserved. Someone had to do it. Elaine and I were the only ones available. And so we did what we thought we needed to do to build women's sports and to promote it. I know that when Elaine first started, she was coaching five or six sports early on in her coaching career. But I know that later on, it eventually just focused on volleyball and she specialized in volleyball. Well, it just evolved. Uh, I didn't really make a choice. Its schedules became conflicted, so something had to go. Uh, other people came in to help with the coaching and took over some of the sports. She just went about doing what you need to do to be successful, and she would teach people. She was a teacher. She wasn't a yeller. She would help people understand the concepts and what they were trying to achieve. And she would 
work hard and just go about it in a loving way. Clean the floors, you know, sweep them down, set up the nets, whatever needed to be done, she just did it because that's what needed to happen. Never drawing attention to herself, never, I think, with any agenda. You know, she reached the pinnacle of her profession in the coaching world and then just naturally assumed this uh, responsibility as leading the women's programs. And back then, as now, BYU's women's programs were among the best in the country. And a lot of that can be tied back to Elaine's time, you know, as a coach and as an advocate for women's sports, and then eventually as the, the director of women's athletics. The women on our team have the honor and privilege to play on Elaine Michaelis' court. And although they didn't get to play for her, we always try to bring out the stories and the history and the tradition that Coach Michaelis laid before our teams. When Elaine retired, there were only four programs that had been to more NCAA tournaments than BYU. Coach of the year some dozen times. Her overall career, she won almost 80%, 79-point-something percent of her overall matches. But I think her relationships that she built was as strong as her schematics and her X and O's of her coaching is that she knew how to bring people together and help them achieve goals and teach them how to be successful. At the recent alumni luncheon that we had, I was able to meet a woman who played in the very first year that Elaine played. And I was privileged to be one of those who played in the last year that she played. And just to see a 40-year legacy and 40-year span of what she's been able to do was really special. And I'm just really happy that they, that they put her name on that court to recognize that. President Hinckley used to say, that people needed to be well-bred and well-dead before they had a name on a building or something at BYU. And so that, that shows how much esteem people have for Elaine Michaelis. In order to get your name on a facility here, you have to be someone of the highest esteem. And Elaine certainly fits that in every way. We want our recruits and our players to understand just how powerful and impactful their opportunity to put on a BYU jersey and play on Elaine Michaelis court is for them and what that represents to the world. I don't think BYU would be what it was without her hard work and dedication and just her love for what she was doing. I think every one of us are grateful and would just say thank you. Everything you've done for BYU and the BYU women's volleyball team will never be forgotten. Everything we have, we owe to you and we hope that we can just be a small part of continuing on your legacy and continue to make you proud by what we're doing on and off the court. I just, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being the one to give me an opportunity to come here. Coming here really shaped who I am as a person and I feel like guided me for everything else that I've done in the rest of my life, being a mother, being a coach, great mentor for me and just the way that my life has gone. So I thank you for that. You know, I don't know. It just evolved. I was blessed with some talents and opportunities and enjoyed them. And I think when you're having fun and you're enjoying what you're doing, it just perpetuates itself.
Oh, we love Elaine Michaelis, and it's so great to see her still attending events. She's the nicest. She goes to every women's volleyball match, and uh, you know, hopefully, we have Elaine for many more years. But if not, uh, what a legacy uh, from Elaine! It's great to see her and talk to her. She's still got her wits about her. She's awesome, and she knows what's going on. And one of the pictures in there was a picture I took after the Utah win in the NCAA tournament last year, where Heather comes over and. and uh, basically kisses the ring, right, yeah. of Elaine, who is, is the foundation of everything with women's sports here. And it was just cool to see that moment of the past and the present and what Heather honors yeah. with Elaine currently. Oh, fantastic stuff. Yeah. All right. Hey, if you missed any of our, our shows, games, interviews, BYSN.com has got you covered. Check it out. Up next, today's rise and shout-out. Don't go anywhere. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. This program is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU Ready apps or listen to the pod, subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, Brazil goes down in PKs for Croatia. Oh, that escalated quickly. Our question of the day is this. Where will we see an immediate difference in the BYU defense under Jay Hill? At Takanor on Twitter says, Twitter comments probably. Twitter <laughs> <laughs> board posts. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Jim Arrange says, his defense will get off the field so we, fans, can see more offense. That is BYU. Okay. Could be Jimmy Range, too. Okay, it could be Jimmy Range. It's, it's Jimmer it's Ainge. It's Jimmer Range, for sure. Uh, which is a fun play on words because Jimmer Range is also a thing, right? Just add an R there. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union to BYU Athletics. This one's going to sting, Jerem. But because the power of the BYU Sports Nation karma is so real, we gave it to is Croatia it? last World Cup. They is got all the way to the final. If it's that real, why don't we give it to men's hoops? We should. We, we, we should beat more. more. Utah and Creighton this week. Croatia beats Brazil. They're back in the semis. How about that? Back-to-back -back World Cup. The karma. The manifestation that's is so nice. strong with Croatia. That for my Brasileiros. Our thanks to today's guest, Lauren Gustin. Sorry to Dennis. Ran out of time. This and all of our shows on demand on BYUSN.com. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Danielle Chessman. Nice. And we'll see you tomorrow. Rivalry game. BYU-Utah women's basketball. 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain. Go Cougs. And go Jay Hill. Keep that recruiting up. <laughs>